We are the men who. Welcome to the Men Who Talk, the men's mental well-being podcast brought to you by the Men Who. The Men Who is a men's collective for actively maintaining positive mental well-being. With the Men Who, men have the opportunity to talk, listen, support, care for, and help themselves and each other build meaningful connections in person, online, and together. The Men Who Talk is our brand new podcast. We've been running men's talking circles in Edinburgh and beyond since 2019, but here we're bringing the conversation to you, exploring and sharing our experiences relating to men's mental well-being. Each episode you'll hear from our trustees, members, inspirational guests and people we've met on our journey so far on how they're learning to actively manage their minds. Together it's our purpose to raise the power of sharing what's on our mind and make it easier for men everywhere to access their well-being potential. Join us on this lifelong journey. We are the men who, and welcome to the men who talk. Hello everyone, it's John from The Men Who here and a huge welcome to the very first episode of The Men Who Talk. It is so awesome to have you here on this journey with us and we are really excited to bring you some insights over the next weeks, months and hopefully years from our trustees, members, special guests and people we've met on our journey so far on how they are actively managing their minds. To kick off our brand new podcast, we are joined by none other than Dr. Joe Anderson. Now Joe is another co-founder and trustee of The Men Who And he's been a very good friend of mine since we started volunteering for men's mental health groups back in 2019. I've learned a huge amount from his outlook on life, his deep thinking nature and above all his friendship. In this episode, Joe and I will share a little bit more about who we are. We'll explore our own mental well-being experiences so far and dive into the journey that led to the launch of The Men Who a few years ago. Above all, however, this conversation is about the power of talking. We're going to look into what sharing our thoughts means for us, what we've learned from being part of a regular talking circle and how it's helped us and others actively manage our mental well-being in everyday life. It should be an awesome conversation to start the podcast with and I'm in no doubt that there will be aspects of what we share that can help you on your own journey. For now, thank you once again so much for joining us and I really hope you enjoy the show. Don't forget to subscribe, rate the podcast and get in touch with us on Instagram at the men who underscore to see what we're up to. So without further ado, over to Joe. Joe man, how are you? John, hello, I'm good, thank you. Good, good. Warm, warm welcome to the very first episode of The Men Who Talk. I'm so excited that this is happening. Yeah, after a long, long time of talking, here we are with microphones in front of us. It's good to see you. That's the thing, we've been talking about talking for about a year and a half, Yeah, but now we're actually talking. Oh man, it's like being an inception. <laughs> here we are. It's, it's awesome to have you here, mate, and I'm, I'm really excited that, that this is our first conversation, talking about ourselves, who we are, what our journeys with, with mental well-being have been, and of course, about the men who, which is, uh, which is what this is all about. Mm, absolutely, yeah. The men who has been a journey for both of us, like getting to the men who, but also creating the men who, and now delivering this service in Edinburgh, which yeah. is incredible. Yeah, and the role it plays in our lives, kind of the the role we know it plays, but also the role that we don't know it plays that we don't think about all the time and you know how we can get into some of that sort of subconscious benefits of it today but um look before we get into the men who and 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 well-being and all that good stuff why don't you introduce yourself tell us who you are what you do what your background is yeah so 
I do a few things, as you know. Um, I am currently working uh, as a research fellow on a project at the university um, called Suicide Cultures, which is, is all about investigating new ways to understand and think about and talk about suicide, um, which will hopefully inform some of our conversations you know, today and, and in the future. Um, but yeah, I, so that, that research has kind of come out of a period of my life where um, I did a PhD and got you know, kind of embroiled in this research with uh, gun rights activists in the United States, um, which is kind of in-person embedded research and uh, that created quite uh should we say a challenging set of circumstances uh for me emotionally mentally um which kind of led to me thinking more both in the research i was thinking about you know in what ways are guns as as objects associated with masculinity and clearly there's uh a history and an association there with war um which which is one of the things that does bind uh, many men kind of historically is is participation in war um so i was thinking about this kind of while hanging around with uh these guys in california who um just really love their guns and they and they love them to the extent that you're kind of uh, blown away by it and it just made me think about um <laughs> what are we doing as men who are we you know in the 21st century when many of the associations between uh, domination, hierarchy, and control, and masculinity have been thoroughly deconstructed and shown to be kind of uh, not good for society, but also not good for men themselves. You know, patriarchy is is bad for all all people. Um, so coming out of this research, I, I really felt like we needed spaces to talk about not maybe not uh, deconstruct and go into all the problems, but maybe talk about what it means to be a man now and. Um, that's kind of what the men who is, and that's the thing that we've created together, uh, along with some other other guys, is this group where we get to just sit and talk about uh, kind of our lives, uh, what we're going through, especially in light of the last couple of years with the pandemic, um, and and think about new ways to be men in in kind of this this um, kind of I I've certainly felt since um, particularly the Me Too era. There's just been need, there's been a need to reconceptualize and rethink masculinity more explicitly and in more in more public forums, like we're doing now. Um, so yeah, that that period of my life led to kind of um, my first experience with just a kind of real sense that I was uh, not doing okay. Like after this research, uh, being around people I didn't necessarily feel that safe with, um, away from my normal support network, and this was very much like situational kind of uh, depression and anxiety. Um, and from that period, I think, uh, onwards, I've just been very aware of the ways that shows up in, in other people's lives. Um, but yeah, kind of gone on a tangent here about masculinity when you asked me what I do. Yeah, well, I think who, that, that, who am I? that's all part of it, right? So <laughs> it's, it's interesting that so many times we get asked these questions, but our mind takes us on a certain journey and you just mm-hmm. have. And that, that, you know, irrespective of what comes out of your mouth, it's part of your journey because that's where your, your mind's gone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, from my perspective, you've, you've obviously got your, your sort of doctorate background, your, your research background, but so much of that you are able to bring to the men who either directly, as you've just described, or, or indirectly in terms of your perspectives, your views, your, your, your deep method of thought um, that, that causes us all to think about things in a, in a different way. So mm-hmm. it's all positive grist to the mill as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Thank you, John. Um, yeah, the other, the other sort of things I, I, I do, um, you could say, are I kind of teach yoga and meditation as a, as a big part of my life. My, my day-to-day life is uh, you'll find me stretching or sitting in stillness for a large part of my day. Um, 
as you mentioned, I'm currently sitting cross-legged on the, the chair that you've given me. <laughs> I wish you could see this recording, everyone. Joe's sitting and he looks so cool. Because <laughs> that's what we're all about in the men who it's it's finding ways to look cool. Yes. That's the thing we're going for. <laughs> and we're trying to dissolve that so hard. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we're trying. <laughs> um, but yeah, John, why don't you tell us, us about your kind of journey and who you are? Yeah, so, <clears throat> so my background is... I suppose traditionally less aligned towards men's talking circles. Um, so I'm from Edinburgh. I lived for London in 10 years um, where I pursued a career, which was good for me at the time. But as we'll kind of get into in this conversation or future conversations, ultimately wasn't for me and was a factor um, indirectly that, that led to me pursuing this kind of journey. But um, who I am today, I work in the Scotch whiskey industry. So I run a small Scotch whiskey agency. Um, that, that's my area of passion. Um, but the biggest parts of my life are, are my family. I've got two beautiful young boys, wonderful wife who support all these lovely endeavours. Um, but, you know, they, they bring me so much joy. And and part of the men who is, is really to um, to be better for them and, and better for others. So again, that's something that we'll kind of get into. But long story short, my journey here it, it stemmed from a, a period of personal experience. Um, I unexpectedly found myself um, in a poor mental state when I was still living in London. Um, and it, for me, it came out of the blue. I'd, I'd never experienced anything like that. And at the time, I couldn't, I couldn't place logic on it. And that, that was my view of life, which I've worked hard, you know, really hard over the last few years to dissolve. But part of the reason it was so mentally challenging was I couldn't make sense of it. You know, I, I looked objectively at my life and thought there's, there's nothing in here that warrants me you know not feeling um happy um and that that was a real hole i found myself in but i, I kind of worked through it through some um one-on-one -on -one therapy and when i moved up to edinburgh i i found you guys so i found yourself and, and nico and all the other guys who are now part of the men who when we were participants and volunteers for a men's mental health charity um that kind of came to his natural conclusion and i think something wonderful about the men who is it, it it was a product of us purely wanting to have a place to keep talking mm. um and and to look what it's become today um how many people it helps the kind of reach it has in edinburgh and now beyond is has been incredible from a group perspective but from a personal perspective it's just something that i'm so grateful to have in my life um something that we know is there every week that we know we've got a group of guys that may not necessarily think the same way as we do or have the same experiences but we know have a kind ear and are willing to sit and listen to us without judgment so um it, it's been an amazing journey so far and we've got so much further to go and, and we'll get into a little bit more today on, on what we're all about but yeah it's as i say coming back to the start it's it's amazing to think that we're now sitting here three four years on um taking our conversation outside of the circle mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's always been kind of one of our dreams isn't it um, I think you could learn a lot about kind of what we do and who we are based on kind of where we started and what we were responding to in many ways, because we began um, right as lockdown started, really, we a few months later, I think a couple of months later, um, as we just saw, you know, like people needed chances to connect that were not going to be physical. Yeah. And we, we have these online circles every Wednesday night um, where the point is, even if you can't make it to a room, even if you can't leave your bedroom, there's a chance to come and hear some other people talk um, about their lives, about a topic, but also um, to have the chance to express no matter kind of your situation or where you are. Yeah, absolutely. And the world works in funny ways that, you know, looking back, it perhaps came around at the right time, didn't it? Just as, just as things got really, really tough for all of us. That's interesting. Um, 
Yeah. I, <laughs> so much came together at that point yeah. to bring a service that was needed. Yeah, but mm. then again, you know, the, the, the foundations had to be there for that to come together. It didn't just come out of nowhere. So, mm. yeah, look, we, I think in, in many ways we've been very lucky that we've, this group of men have found itself in, in this position to benefit from that. And, and hopefully, as we know, there, there are others out there that go on. And, and the more of these things that happen, you know, the better it can be for society at large, I suppose. Hmm. Yeah, that's sort of the hope, isn't it? That um, the example that maybe uh, some of the guys that come to our circles set, where they they show up, um, they'll they'll kind of open their hearts to us, and they'll open their um, lives to us, our experiences, and that's such a privilege to hear. But it's also just it's so beautiful to know that those people are going to go tell those stories again to hopefully the people around them. And then that's going to change norms at a wider scale because you'll see, you know, if there's a guy at the pub who will say, actually, I'm having a hard time right now um, or a football match, you know, that's, that's going to have a huge effect on the men around them. Um, hopefully give them examples of, of how to maybe change towards um, being able to say stuff like that themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't put it better. Um, look, we're going to get into a bit more about where the men who came from, what it is we do, um, and and the the power of talking, right? Which ultimately the, the men who facilitates, because that's a it's a it's a hugely important point. Before we get into that, just thinking about mental well being generally, your experiences with with mental well being. What what does the phrase mental well being mean to you? Because mm. <laughs> mental well being feels to me like a. <clears throat> it doesn't quite include the full spectrum of our, of our being uh, when we talk about well-being. Um, you know, there's physical well-being. There's the there's both the the health that our bodies have, but there's also the sense that we're healthy. There's the internal sense that we're healthy, and I think that while it involves a dialogue with the body, it's kind of a psychological assessment. You're you're witnessing something and you're commenting on it, and you're creating a narrative around what you're experiencing, and so. For me, mental well-being is the cultivation of good stories about my life um, that both serve me and my community and my people around me. So, um, you know, for example, identity. Identity is a kind of story. And so if you're showing up weekly to kind of talk about how you are, it gives you that, like, litmus test to then be able to, uh, for me, certainly with the men who, like, when I, when I come to the circles, and I'm given that first check-in, that first opportunity to share. I, I tend to not think, and I try to just let my mouth tell me where I am. And I usually come away from the circle with a better sense of, of maybe any warning signs that are coming up, anything that like, uh, any negative patterns of thought that are then dictating how I'm interpreting situations. Um, I, I really like the phrase mental hygiene. I, I really like the idea that while we, you know, you can keep certain germs and you keep certain negative things away from your body and you bring in certain positive things into your body you can do the same for your mind so a simple example is um you know looking at the news before you go to bed um is a bad example of mental hygiene yeah we all do that a lot these days it's hard not to right it's hard not to be glued to these events that are happening and while it's healthy to understand the world and to understand what's going on i think um there's a way that those stories and that tone can i think i think one of the things people don't always understand is that it's not just the actual information that people are giving you that's coming into your body and your mind it's it's the whole tone of the way things are expressed and just talking about the news you know the whole thing is expressed within a particular register of fear 
but also dictated by interests beneath that that we don't really understand or know. Um, so it's best before you go to sleep, if you want to have a good sleep, not to let other people's tones and ideas creep into your mind um, and then dictate the dreams you have and the, and the way that your subconscious mulls over things. So I think for me, it's me- mental well-being is about uh, knowing your patterns, being aware of, of the ways that unconscious behavior is creating your reality, um, and then the cultivation of ideas and thoughts and, and kind of ways of being that are giving you maybe more compassionate results and that are helping you connect to others and, and things like that. So I tend to use, think of my like uh, kind of maybe what I would call negative emotions or experiences as just weather, as this, this storm passing through. And I, try, I do try to just sit with it, although it's very hard. And it's an ongoing battle yeah. um, that I'm trying to figure out. But um, just the knowledge that it will change often is enough. I think, so So, what you came on to at the end there about, I suppose, being able to observe your mind rather than react to it is, it's foundational to mindfulness, to meditation. That's something I'm learning a lot at the moment and it's something that I'm trying to practice. And look, it's, I, th- I think it's something that we'll come on to either later on or in a different episode, but that that is so foundational. There, there was one word you used amongst what you said, though, that resonates with me when we come to this question of what mental well-being is, and it's cultivate. And I think at, at its heart, mental well-being for me is is a cultivation. You know, it's an ongoing process. Um, it's not a kind of dip in and out. It's not a I'll, I'll go and try and fix this when I'm feeling down sort of task. It's it's something that we consciously and subconsciously have to manage. Um, in every waking moment and, and every non-waking moment as well, which is something even more deep than <laughs> I would be ever to explain, but I'm sure it's relevant. Um, mm-hmm. That's why it's quite exhausting sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> mental well-being is exhausting, isn't it? Um, I said the other day, this happiness thing is hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is so hard because you're constantly reaching and lifting, you know, keeping your mm. arm up, your your metaphorical arm up at all times is exhausting. My right? shoulder's going to get pretty buff. Oh man, it's, yeah, well, <laughs> even more buff, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so so for me, it's about cultivation, and and something I'm wor- working really hard to do is is learning how to cultivate my mind in the same way that somebody might cultivate a garden over their lifetime, and find ways, um, activities throughout my day that that I know are totems or or a grounding for me, and I know that will just give me that little bit of peace um, to observe my thoughts and observe my mind. Now that can be. As as traditional, let's say, as a um, a moment of meditation. So taking 10, 20 minutes out of the day to do that, but also activities that I know that will give my mind that space. So going and reading a newspaper, um, doing a piece of artwork or something, I might not be consciously thinking about my mind or, or focusing on my well-being in that moment, but through experience, I now know that these are cultivating um, a better mental state for me. And and what that kind of all leads to in my um, mind is it's foundational right so mental well-being for me is is foundational to a good life um because without it without doing all these little things that that keep me in check i know i won't be a good dad i won't be a good husband i won't be a good friend i won't be a good colleague um i won't be able to manage my business effectively and i now know that whereas you know look five years in the past my mindset was oh my god i've got to be performing at all times and performance for me is an end to itself Whereas I now know there's a deeper level than that, and I I know how to try and reach that peak performance through through this cultivation. 
Mm, I love I love that idea of this your your mental well being as a garden. Yes, and um, I, I also like the idea that um, what we're what we're trying to do with our well being, for example, our approach. I, th- I would say that the men who and that me and you have is it's about this maintenance. It's not about uh, kind of crisis intervention. It's not about when you're at your worst needing services. That those things are very necessary for people who are at their worst. But ideally, we never get there. Ideally, we have a life that cultivates health in body and mind so that um you know the the way in which healthcare is done now just see, often seems to be response like reactive rather than responsive maybe that's quite a good definition yeah. for the healthcare system and um i love the idea that i love the idea that we could we could all be kind of sovereigns of our own health but acknowledging within that that we deeply rely on each other for health uh we're community animals we we only survived in our evolution because we could work together um, so if you even want to cast it in a, in a kind of uh, calculating way, there, there's a reason to be connected to people. Um, but then there's just the, the, the beauty that community brings in terms of um, safety and belonging and a, and a real sense of embeddedness and home, I think, comes from just knowing that you have people you can turn to uh, with deep stuff. Yeah, and, and often that knowing is enough, isn't it? Even if you're not able to make it to a talking circle, often just knowing it's there is comfort in itself. So very good point. And we have lots of guys in our WhatsApp group who have been in there for the whole time, love being in there, have commented, but have never come to a circle. Yeah. 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 But they still, but yeah, exactly. But they still engage on some level and it just tells you that it is a comfort deep down. It's a comfort to be part of that, that community and in whatever form that community takes for you as an individual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think this is a great segue into, um, into the men who, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, what it is we do, where it is we came from, like what we've kind of moved on to today, but there's probably something worth positioning before we get into that. And you mentioned it. Where does this fit in, in the well-being or healthcare spectrum? Now, well, I think, I think often when people think of mental health, their, their minds jump straight to um, reactive measures. So, so going to see a therapist or being put on some program, for want of a better phrase, whereby they'll, they'll systematically be helped um, to, to reach a better mental state. Mm-hmm. But that's, for me, the men who is far upstream from this. And I think one of the reasons that society is potentially um, experiencing an uptick in mental, poor, poor mental well-being is because we're not necessarily looking at this as, as a stream, right? So for me, the men who sits right at the top of that stream, and it's non-clinical, it's non-medical, um, we're, we're a community interest company. So we, we are kind of maybe the first point of call um, for men who are not feeling at their best. Why is it important that we have these things like the men who upstream before things get into a more clinical setting? So I think the other reason it's important is just um, having, having these communities that come together organically without a medical imperative. You know, it's not, it's like you say, it's not psychological intervention. Um, it's just the the um, kind of commitment to the idea that uh, health involves, like your your psychological and your physical health actually resp- is much better when in community with other people. And um, these these aren't, these are hopefully, you know, our conversations with the men who are about topics that are relevant to us on an ongoing basis um whether that ranges from the kind of conceptual to the most practical to the most uh we had comedy you know <laughs> a few weeks ago that was brilliant uh, that ended up being a really deep conversation about how we use humor and so it's just about 
opening up spaces and inviting people into conversations that we're all having in our own heads often, but we don't know other people are having. That is amazing. The number of times you you sit down in a circle and um, hear someone talk about a topic that you have been mulling over and for so long you've thought, I must be the only person dealing with this problem in the whole world. Yeah. Yet you sit there and there's you know one, two, three, ten guys around you who are facing exactly the same thing, often in just a slightly different context than you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's those minor contextual changes that are so powerful because you walk away thinking, well, here are... 10 different ways, 10, di- 10 different ways to look at the same problem. Mm. Maybe I could just apply that to my life and see if I can make an improvement. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we've got this far without really talking about what the men who is or what it does. Um, thank you everyone for sticking to us. Uh, if, if you don't know who the men who are, let's get into that now. Um, we've, we've said the men who kicked off sort of late 2019, early 2020. Um, what is it? I mean, how, how do you describe the men who to people who have never heard of us before? I think the, the best way I've found to describe it is to describe the talking circle, because that's our main thing we do every week. Every Wednesday night, we have an hour uh, to an hour and a half long talking circle structured around three kind of uh, rounds, which are prompts for conversation. So the first uh, round is just a check-in. It's a chance for everyone who's there. If they want to share, they can just share how they are in that moment. It's kind of like a, like I said earlier, check in with where you are so that you can more accurately speak from that position rather than sitting on a load of stuff that you're not acknowledging. And then the second round, we have a predetermined topic which guides our conversation. And the previous week, the people that are there vote for the next week's topic, so it's kind of peer-led. And the topics are, you know, they, they can be posed just on their own or you can have journaling exercises. We sometimes do that in the group. But what they are an invitation to do is just to riff on that on that theme for the week. And then the final round we do is um, a chance for some gratitude. So a chance to share what you're happy about, what you're grateful for. Um, because, like, you know, there's so many studies about the neurochemistry of gratitude. If you just keep a gratitude journal, write, write three things you're grateful for each day, it literally changes the way your brain interprets the world. So... Uh, that's just our encouragement for our members and and for us to constantly remember the things that we're grateful for. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so we we have a, a tried and tested formula, let's call it, um, that we stick to every circle. In that, I suppose that familiar familiarity in the way we do things breeds a lot of comfort um, in in what might otherwise be quite an uncomfortable setting. Um, especially the first couple of times that you join, and and you know you've not met these these guys before, you don't really know what it is that is going to come out of your mouth um but but it's a really successful format and particularly as you say finishing off with gratitude it sends you back out into the world with a, a often a lot of lightness even if the topic or, or what you've brought to the table is not particularly light in itself it might be something you find extremely difficult to talk about or, or indeed extremely difficult to hear but that gratitude element of um the circles just just lifts everybody and it, it, it's the last thing you go away about thinking and i've used the phrase before that the half-life of a talking circle lasts a very very long time in a completely unscientific way <laughs> <laughs> but it'll last you you know it can last you to the next week's circle or yeah. you know it can last you into um something really important that you've got that week and if you just reflect back on not even what it was you said, but just how you felt in that group. Um, it can give you a huge boost, right? Yeah. Yeah. There, I think there's a, there's a distinction I heard recently between conversations where uh, there's three people there. There's the, you and the person and the topic of conversation. And then there's conversations where 
you and the person talking just merge with the topic. And what he means by that, this guy was, um, it's so present that you can feel it, the topic. So, you know, if we're talking about hope, what we try to do in the group is to get people really like feeling that feeling so that they can talk from that place. And I think one of the amazing things about the group is that that organically happens so often that we all start to feel what we're talking about. We're not just intellectualizing about it. We're not just discussing it's it's something that's present in our bodies and in our emotions as well yeah yeah for sure you you know going beyond the mind and i think you do that really well when you introduce things like journaling um because it gets people i suppose almost physically thinking in that sense in a different way Mm -hmm. and and sometimes what comes out of the nib of a pen is different from what will come out of the mouth absolutely or a word processor for example like these are three different canvases i think i think um yeah, a pen, a word processor, and your your voices are three different ways to express that are that bring out different elements of you. Hey everyone, we just want to say a huge thanks for tuning into this episode of The Men Who Talk and take a quick break from the conversation to remind you how you can access more information on our collective. Head to our website, www.themenwho.com, drop us an email at letstalkatthemenwho.com or check out our Instagram, at the men who underscore to see what we're up to together it's our purpose to raise the power of sharing what's on our mind and make it easier for men everywhere to access their well-being potential so why don't you join us on this lifelong journey thanks and back to the show it's, it's worth talking about our values because I think a lot of people will be thinking, um, okay, men's talking circle, um, it, it's obviously not recorded in the same way as our podcasts are. They are what, what is said in the men's circle is, is behind closed doors entirely and, and people respect that. Um, but, but it's also, it is anonymous. So, you know, nothing, you know, you don't have to share who you are in the circle. I mean, and, and certainly no information kind of goes beyond that, but a really important aspect of it, which I actually think we all have to practice in a sense is it's non-judgmental. Mm. How have you seen the the non-judgment element of it come to life in these talking circles? Mm. What does it, you know, what does it mean? How does it manifest when I suppose as individuals and as a group and a society, we've been trained to judge, mm. to protect ourselves? Mm-hmm. Great question. I, 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 when you asked that, I really jumped to a specific example of mine that I had going into a circle where, it wasn't, I wasn't worried, well, I was really worried about other people's judgments, but the thing that was, it was something that I'd been wanting to say for a long time, like something, you know, when you have those thoughts or, or, or ideas about someone or something in your life that you know are just ridiculous, that are just born of some kind of, um, like I said, pattern of thought or, or old conditioning. Um, and often the men who's a great place to speak out old conditioning and to say, I know this is shit. I know this isn't working for me. Um, and so, I think what for me when I think about judgment with the men who I worry more about myself than I do other people <laughs> because I think uh the the non-judgment maybe we should emphasize that we should emphasize that you know don't judge others but also don't judge yourself don't judge yourself and that's that's even harder it's way harder I find personally yeah. and 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 that's why I feel the non-judgmental aspect of the men who at least from I where I'm sitting seems to work so well because I mean you you do see that people you know, when people want to say something, when they, when you can tell that there's something on their mind that they're not saying, um, you can tell that they're worried about the judgment of other people. And especially, I think we've been encouraged maybe as men historically to compete in some way and to kind of bring each other down maybe rather than raising each other up. And uh, this is very much a circle where we say yes and 
to people, which is an improv uh, technique, the yes and technique, which is like you take someone's point and you run with it. You don't you don't sort of contradict it. You don't uh, advise people about what what to think or what to do about their situation. And I think we we really see that in operation very well in our circle. Yeah, and it it it's a beautiful thing when it works. Um, yeah. Not not that in those circles you have to work hard, particularly to to not judge. But as you've said. Um, behind your own eyes I think you have to work hard not to judge what, what's coming out of your mouth or what you want to say I think for me you know I my career in particular and probably most careers um, you are taught almost to have the answer to something before the other person stops speaking right so whilst they're speaking we, we all know this you you don't really listen you go off and think about how you're going to respond and in my career which is predominantly been consultancy Someone, the, the the person asking the question wants you to have the answer, right? Even if you don't have the answer, you try and come up with a way of reassuring them that you either do have the answer or you you will have the answer, right? <laughs> so now we're kind of merging into the territories of bullshit, which which is again something that we try and avoid because it's it is open and honest and transparent in what we talk about. But it's a beautiful thing when the judgment works, and I've found it such a positive practice, both in the circles and during the weeks in between to quieten that mind whilst someone else is talking and say, don't judge what they're saying, don't apply your experiences to their situation, don't try and pretend like you have something to say, just listen. Because one of the greatest gifts I think we can give to one another is purely listening, and often that's all people really want, is to be heard. Mm, completely agree. Completely agree. I Listening is the it's the tool of the, of of uh, social life it's the tool of social life and we have kind of forgotten how to do it in a lot of ways yeah. I know what you mean by that uh, when you have to respond to something and you realize you have to respond in a way that sounds like you know what you you're talking about rather than actually knowing what you're talking about it's, it's, it's so painful when you realize you're doing it isn't I it? know you're halfway through a sentence and you don't believe even what you're saying yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are with a podcast <laughs> it's the perfect format for us <laughs> do you think that listening um, your listening skills have changed since you've been coming to the men who immeasurably in in a in a way that I've just described um I'm not conscious of of listening of trying to do it and it, you know we don't always get it right we don't no. always sit there and automatically listen but um I think this is this is a good point into the next question we had for one another which is what have you learned from the men who and mm-hmm. listening is paradoxical despite the fact you know it is a talking circle um you you spend 90 percent of your time in that circle listening right and yeah. we when we were on a podcast a couple of years ago i remember saying um you you, you practice listening as much as you practice talking right mm-hmm. um and it really is a discipline a habit to sit there and actively listen so that i mean it's been a huge lesson for me um and i, I don't think any of us will ever really get to the point where we are true listeners but as long as you are can reach a point where you're conscious of it in the right moment to actively listen and, and give someone else that gift. Mm. Um, that's a benefit. Mm. Um, I mean, what, what, have you, what have you learned from being part of the men who? I mean, just on the listening thing, I think what I've learned about listening in the, in the space of the men who is that, um, you know, words, words are, we think of them as literal, but they're interpretive. When people speak, we're, listening to 
the literal content of the sentences they're saying, but we're also listening to the tone of their voice, to their body language, in, you know, in levels that we can't comprehend, really. So listening is something that occurs in the ears, but it occurs with, with the whole body. I think that's one of the things that I've tried to see, is that I can be listening with my ears, but not be attending to someone in their wholeness. So I think I'm, uh, with the men who I'm, I'm learning, I think how to be more responsive to people's um, what they're saying beyond the words, but yeah. not assuming what they're saying, but hearing kind of them from all of the places they're talking. If that makes sense. It, it's so applicable to me right now because uh, I mentioned earlier I've got two young boys, so one is almost three, and the other is five months. Right, um, and and you ha as a as a father, for example, or a parent, you you have to get very good at interpreting without your ears. Obviously, you know, they can't they can't fully communicate for a long time. And even when they do start to use words, there's, you know, the, it's not perfect English. Obviously, they're, they're young kids, particularly the, the five-month-old that we have now. He's beginning to express himself in, in loads of ways, but obviously without words. And one of the biggest challenges I've had is learning to interpret what he needs mm -hmm. um, through the way his expression is through his body language you know even by listening to his cry and to come to come back to the men who i've got no doubt that the lessons i've learned on how to listen i've been able to bring into the house and and sort of apply to these situations and because they don't have any agenda because they're just kids and they, there's no ulterior motive again the best thing you can do for them is just take a step back and say right what what are you trying to tell me because your need is honest Mm -hmm. um, and and that's as a wonderful thing to come to that realization, and again apply that to, in my instance, you know, fatherhood, and in other people's instances, their professional life, being a great friend, being a great, being a great partner. So, I think there's no end to to the power of listening. Mm -hmm. um, even though this podcast is about the power of talking, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're doing fifty fifty, right? Yeah. I, I'm listening. You're talking. Um, like one other thing I've learned from the men who. Um, you know, there's this idea that men uh, don't talk about their emotions. And, and I think that um, maybe the better way to put it is that there's no spaces for men to talk about their emotions. Because I think what I've learned from the men who is that men can talk about their emotions when they're given the space and told that it's safe to do so. Um, especially, yeah, and, and, and I, I didn't expect that so much because I, I think I was expecting a lot more work to get. Like, it, the hard bit is getting men to come. That's the hard bit. Once they're there, it's easy. Like, because they see that it's just a conversation. It's just, it's just a conversation uh, between people about what life is like. And I think that's one of the, one of the attitudes I think that we come to with the men who is that no one's figured this out. No one, no one has a complete, you know, opinion of of what health is, what well being is, um, and we're all here to brainstorm it together. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's that old adage that, that stepping through the door for the first time is the hardest thing you will ever do in a men's talking circle, mm -hmm. really, because it's the fear of the unknown. You don't you literally don't know what you're stepping into. Um, and again, we we talked about this before on a previous podcast that we did. Is these things have to exist for them to make an impact, right? Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest challenges that you've just described is um, if I'm a guy sitting in my room at home and I'm not feeling how I want to feel or I'm feeling depressed or anxious or, or my well-being isn't where it should be. The biggest issue at the moment is you don't really know what to do. Um, 
And it might be hard to go down and talk to your partner, go and talk to your parents, talk to your friends. And you think, well, where else can I go short of jumping straight into the clinical um, opportunities uh, or, or the NHS? And perhaps that's not where you want to go. You know, you don't feel that you quite need that. So I think the biggest challenge for groups like the Men Who and others is making people aware that they exist and giving them really simple steps for how to participate. Yeah. Yeah, because like, you know, it, it's like we've been saying, nothing the men who are doing is radical. It's, it's what we've been doing for thousands and thousands of years around campfires, around, you know, um, sitting in political halls. We, we want to talk and we want to know each other and we want to see each other. And I think uh, that's what we're interested in giving people through the men who. Yeah, it's just a modern, a modern method of what we've been doing for a long, long time. Exactly. With a little bit more organization involved. Indeed. Screen more screens involved. <laughs> now, well. now, now, yeah, exactly, <laughs> and now two microphones and a wealth of cables in a in a wireless world. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the power of talking. Mm-hmm. So, so that's that's really what we're here in in this particular episode. But generally, to convey to not not only men but but everyone. For you, how, how would you how would you summarize the power of talking? As we've acknowledged, talking is one half of an equation that includes listening. So it's like maybe what we want to look at is what is the power, what, what power does talking and its reflection silence have for you? And, and I think talking is beautiful. Like, as you alluded to in many professional settings, talking feels like something you have to get right. And I think maybe because so many of us have those kinds of jobs, we maybe bring that attitude home and we restrict ourselves from being free with our voices because we're worried that maybe it won't come across the right way, we might say the wrong thing. Um, and so the power of talking for me is the power of letting, kind of letting go of my restrictions or, or um, censorship of my own way of thinking and, and allowing that to kind of just flow through me. And, and so that's slightly different than kind of the constructed speech or the or the performative speech we talked about earlier um and and it's the talking is something that i do but it's only something i do in relationship to you in this moment and in relationship to the people who are listening to this and so talking always evokes an another person or another set of people and and i i think the power of talking is the recognition that you are always in relation to others um at all times. Yeah. That's beautiful. What about you, John? What do you feel about talking? Um, to me, it's both... How would I put this? It's a remedy. Mm. It's, some, it's something we have to do to communicate and survive. But it's also a remedy. And, and that's... Coming back to learnings, that's something I've learned about talking. It's um, let, let, I'll kind of position this with a quotation which we, we've shared in the Men Who and um, in our, our little print series as well, and it's by the, the Prophet Gibran. The quote, the, the quote that he left is, "We speak when we cease to be at peace with our thoughts." And I think learning to talk when you are no longer at peace with your thoughts is one of the most powerful remedies that we as humans can access. Um, because our our inner dialogues are constant, they are overwhelmingly negative in most experiences in most people, um, and learning to find an outlet for that not only that verbalizes what's going on in your head, 
but also puts it out there and gives others the opportunity to help you address that is is the perfect remedy um mm. and it that comes back really well to what you said about it being it's a two-way thing about how it connects into to other people um the the, the element of community and and using that power of community to help silence the negative thoughts mm. so it's it's almost that that constant loop um it starts in your mind it comes out via your mouth it goes into others ears they process it and if they can really access a non-judgmental part of themselves they'll send it back out through their mouths into your ears and that will hopefully help address what's going on in your head mm. and and be part of this cultivation idea of of maintaining positive mental well-being so um it's a remedy it's part of the cultivation it's completely essential beyond the essential nature of talking to get what we want out <laughs> of life <laughs> oh that's nice that's a nice way of putting it it's essential to get what we want out of life because it informs other people of our needs and our desires and who we are and that allows us to be seen in a way that is honest and authentic yeah yeah completely mm. how i would you think i mean we we won't we we never talk for other people, but what kind of effect do you think the men who and, and talking has had on the others that we engage with? I mean, we have a joke that every week in the gratitude part of the circle, um, one person will always be grateful for the men who. And, and I think that's often me. And it's because what I see is that just connecting honestly and talking without those conditionings and that, those restrictions, gives people a freedom that brings smiles to their faces by the end of the session. So um, maybe smiles is a good metric for measuring that it's working. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It is, it's so true. I mean, everyone tries to steer away from it, but the gratitude often is just the circle or the, yeah. the guys that are listening. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what about, um, let, let's think beyond the talking circles. What kind of things are we involved with in the wider world? What kind of things are we looking to, to put on for guys? And, and how are we looking to take this conversation wider? Well, I mean, I want to talk about your art, John. Oh, man. That's the first thing I want to talk about. Really? Yeah. Because <laughs> John has a load of amazing art that's up on our website to purchase, which the funds go directly to supporting the men who and everything we do. Um, would you like to talk a little bit about that? I'd be delighted. Um, <laughs> um, look, I, I think better best to be transparent with people up front. The men who, um, you know, it doesn't cost a lot to run, but there are there are there are some expenses that we have just to keep the circles going. Um, so one of the initiatives that we have uh, launched to help fund our activities is some artwork. So I kind of um, bridged bridged the artwork gap from whiskey into men's mental health, which was a real challenge, by the way. I mean, how I how, how do you put on on paper or on canvas your experiences in mental health? But um, essentially, I've I've come up with three different designs um, that are all available on our Etsy store. I think the links on our Instagram. So head over there. Um, if to to buy them if you like them or if you want to support what we are doing, but um, they're all they're all expressions of, of how I see the men who and mental well-being and talking. So the, the first one actually uses that phrase from Gibran. We speak when we cease to be at peace with our thoughts. And I've created that phrase with um, a background of mental noise. So this phrase appears out of the darkness um, from, I think it's, there's over a hundred different phrases of negative and positive self-talk um, behind this, this, these series of words that, um, and it's kind of supposed to be representative of the fact that we need to, clear them out of the way to be able to 
speak when we cease to be at peace with our thoughts. Mm-hmm. So that was quite a cool one. Um, the second one is is based on a series of positive affirmations that we use in the men who. Um, so so all the things that we try and aspire to be. So uh, positive, supportive, community driven. Um, we we try and achieve what we as a group um, sit down and, and commit to. Um, so there's a cool one, just kind of reminding ourselves what we're all about. And the third one, again, is a quotation from uh, a possible unlikely source, Jimmy Carr, the comedian. He uh, gave this response to a question, what's the purpose of life? And he said, the purpose of life is to enjoy the passing of time. And that was one of those moments when I saw this little video or, or read the quote and I just thought, that it's perfect. I've never seen that question answered in such a way before, but I've never seen it make so much sense. When we boil it all down, the only thing that we can't control in this life is time. So we might as well do our best, cultivate our minds to be in a position to try and enjoy its passing, however we choose to do that. Mm. Um, so I've kind of tried to bring that to life on a print as well with um, with a little monologue of my own in there about the nature of time. And it all gets very deep, but it's on a nice pink background, so that should lighten the mood a bit. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the one I ordered. I love that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, hopefully it goes well with your colour scheme at home. Um, but look, these are, these are all available on Etsy. The link's on our Instagram Um and if anyone wants them, you know, for their home, their space in, in various sizes, then just drop us a line and we can arrange that for you. Excellent. Excellent. I'm so excited, John. It's such good, good stuff you're doing. Thanks, brother. Um, and the other things we kind of have going on are you're running these in-person circles at the Aki's. Yes, yeah, so we're back at in-person circles after the um, after the pandemic. The the Rayburn Place Foundation, who are based down in Stockbridge at Edinburgh Aki's new um, grounding clubhouse, have been really generous. They've offered us um, uh, one of the changing rooms, one of the men's changing rooms, which sets an unbelievably emotive tone for talking circles, being in that environment. So at the moment that we're there once a month, it's the second Wednesday of every month at seven o'clock in the evening. Um, Again, if you want to get involved with that, just drop us a line on Instagram or email. Um, It's in the show notes. Um, But it's so good to be back in person. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, the difference it makes. Um, Even though the online sessions are, are incredibly powerful in themselves, being back with other guys um, in that setting is has been incredible. Mm, I mean, eye contact releases all these great chemicals in your brain. Yeah. So yeah, it's really good for you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and then we also have some events coming up with the council, Edinburgh Council, and um, yeah, some other opportunities to get involved. And the best place to do that is kind of check our Instagram, have a look on our website. Um, and if you want to come along to a circle, please get in touch. If there's a voice in your head that's telling you, don't do it, don't do it, do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> come along. It'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so all the information's there in the show notes about how to access the men who, where you can get more information, um, how you can contact us. And it, it's great to see, you know, we're, we are beginning to make an impact wider than just the talking circles. People are picking up on um, the benefit of groups like the men who, and I think they want to get more involved in starting their own circles or for us to come along and talk to, to their groups about how they can, how they can get involved. Mm-hmm. We have, yeah, next week, right, we're talking to Edinburgh Blue Balls um about their work which is incredible oh man the blue balls i'm so excited to have that conversation i'm um, looking forward to listening to it yeah. yeah we need to we need to get a men who event along to uh to get dipping mm-hmm. um, oh yeah that's true i haven't done it yet i lived in portobello and i haven't gone into the sea with them yet <laughs> there's no excuse mate <laughs> I know, well but... not after next week <laughs> no that's true <laughs> um it's it's awesome look let's let's move away from the men who for a moment and just just kind of think a bit wider um mental well-being advice or, or practical tips do you have anything that you would share with people about how they can cultivate, how they can manage better? Lots of, lots of tools that I use. Um, 
many, many tools that have been really helpful. And I think if you've not done it before, if you've not, if you've not been involved with understanding how to regulate kind of your emotions and your mood and your behavior, and regulate sounds a bit too controlly. It's not a control. Like I said, it's more like weather. You don't control the weather. Um, for me, the, the, the best things, and I know that everyone says this, but it's because it regulates your nervous system, is breath. So if you make your inhale longer than your exhale, it upregulates your nervous system and makes it more um, attentive and more alert. And, and, and that could actually increase a sense of anxiety or depression. But if you make your exhales longer than your inhales, you're downregulating your nervous system and you're putting yourself into a rest and digest state that's going to immediately uh, just at least give you a pause and a, a sense of um, control enough to maybe, if anything's overwhelming, any emotions or thoughts are overwhelming, you can recognize, you can name it, name, you know, as you, as you breathe, name the thoughts that are happening, name the emotions that are present. And just that act of taking stock, um, like our check-in with the men who that first round, um, can sometimes give you a sense of stability and, and, and restore a bit of well-being. Yeah. Amazing. How about um, you, John? What do you? Well, I think breath, is? breath work's something I definitely recognize and it's, it's something I re- remember time and time and again, just to come back to, um, for me, for me, it's something I mentioned earlier, and it's it's knowing what your grounding totems are, the 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 simple things that you can do every day, um, or as often as you're able to, to bring you back into those moments, and just just let the mind be. So, you know, one skill there's there is meditation. Um, take ten, fifteen minutes out of your day. Use a guided app if you if you want to, and observe your thoughts. Let your mind observe your thoughts rather than react to them, and and see the benefit that plays out in everyday life when you're not meditating but but even more mundane things than that i suppose you know i know that for me if i have my newspaper to hand i know i can go to that and just mm-hmm. take 10 minutes drinking um a cup of lemon water you know enjoying the process of cutting the lemon squeezing it into uh into a mug pouring the hot water and just thinking about that as a kind of cleansing activity or a grounding activity obviously mm-hmm. going for a run exercise all these things again it comes back to knowing that they are there for me even if i'm not able to partake in them is a comfort in itself and i know that even if i can't be bothered doing them they will have positive effect on my mental well-being mm-hmm. um so, so it's it's knowing that these things are in the background and making them as practical as possible for me really works i think that's it i think it's it's about having these things available uh and, and actually finding the right one for you because i think both you and i have many tools for grounding ourselves um that we've developed over many years of be, kind of paying attention to who we are and what we need and I guess that that curiosity about yourself might be a good one to start with. Just get curious about your patterns, get curious about um, how your brain works and, and what you're creating for yourself in your life. Yeah, completely. Joe, I've got two more questions um, just to round off this conversation. One's for us and one's for next week's guest. The one for us, can you see value in having been through mental adversity in your life? Certainly. Um, Certainly in the sense that it has, well, there's many things it's done. One, one is to, when you go through suffering, when you go through a, when you go through a difficult experience, um, you're, you're opening yourself to deeper levels of your experience, but you're also deepening yourself to deeper levels of the human experience. So I, I think that facing suffering and, and adversity um, helps you uh, to have empathy for other people going through it. And what that's done in my life has made me much more want to work with people who are going through these problems who are who are having adversity because 
although that's always been a name in my life, I think um, that there's nothing like a like a experiencing you know a thing in your body, experiencing what it's really like the texture of 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 pain to really motivate you to do better for yourself, but then also to see where people are hurting in society and to want to do better for them as well. Yeah. What about yourself, John? A hundred percent. Again, if you look back to the periods in your life where you are suffering from um, adversity um, for whatever reason, at the time it's very difficult to think about it as a positive experience. But when you come through that or when you you know, try and actively manage it through things like talking circles, um, you begin to see the value because you begin to look back and see that as a point in your life where you addressed something to try and change for the better. And and something that I want to get into on a later episode, and we've talked about it in our circles, is to be very blunt about it, can something like depression ever be a good thing? Mm. You know, and I think with time um, and with the right response, and in the long term, it can be. Um, so for me, I am grateful for all of the experiences that I've been through because I know that um, they have been the fuel for me to try and become a better person for other people. Um, my family, first and foremost, you guys, my friends, um, and I can see value in that now. Mm, that's beautiful, John. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> I love. The, yeah, I love the way you frame that. And this has been a lovely conversation. Oh, it's been so nice. <laughs> Good thing we recorded it. Eh? I know it's really useful. <laughs> um, so, so one thing I want to do, we we want to do with every episode is um, something that is done. To, to great effect on the diary of a CEO podcast, um, which is whereby the, the, the previous guest leaves a question for the next guest to answer. Um, it can be related to what that person does, or it could just be a general kind of question about mental well-being, um, mental health. Now, we know who's coming on next. We've got the Edinburgh Blue, Blue Balls coming on next, Mark Miller, um, who founded that. Do you have a question for Mark? I do. I was giving this some thought because I think it's a good, good idea. And uh, I want Mark to think about if he could go back in time and speak to a version of himself who was really suffering, um, what would you, what would he say to them? What, what would kind of, what would his advice be? Would it, would it be advice? Would it just be a hug? I'd, I'd love him to think about that. Awesome. Joe, it's, it's incredible to be sitting here and finally doing this with you. Um, it's, it's been emotional, man. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, John. All right, mate. Onwards and upwards. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Men Who Talk. We really hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did and can apply some of today's wisdom to your own mental well-being practices. If you've found some value in what we've been sharing, feel free to rate and review our show as it really helps us spread the word and reach more listeners. For more information on this episode or our collective, head to the show notes or visit our website at www.themenwho.com. For now, keep talking, stay well, and be sure to join us next time for another episode of The Men Who Talk.